This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Mark, one of the lead pastors here. If you're visiting for the first time or joining us online for the first time, you are very welcome. Now, before we start, a a bit of good advice for life that I learned during the week. Uh, If you're dating or thinking about getting married or want an insight, before you marry a person, this is the best advice, before you marry a person, make them use a computer with really slow Wi-Fi for an hour, then you really get (laughs) to see who they are. And why didn't Han Solo enjoy his steak dinner? It was chewy. Maybe we need to pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Open my mouth to speak your words. Open our ears to hear your Holy Spirit. (coughs) Grant us an insight, an understanding, a prophetic revelation from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're continuing our slow walk through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, And actually we'll come to a bit of a mini-series Uh, where the themes are all inspired for the next couple of weeks about things that we can be afraid of. We're going to explore some of the traps that we can fall into, such as being afraid to come near to God, being afraid to act, being afraid to ask God. And this week, Jesus is challenging his disciples and he's challenging us to not be afraid of the effort not to be afraid of the effort that it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, effort is another way of describing the cost of something, you know, the the time, the energy that you have to put into it in order to have that thing. Now, I I recently had to study and pass an exam. And to pass the exam, I had to learn what was in this book. It required a lot of effort, not just to lift the book, (laughs) but to learn everything that was in it. It has... 1,049 pages. But the qualification is valued by businesses when they want to employ you because they recognize the effort that goes into it to obtain the qualification. For 25 years, there was an advertising slogan for a certain brand of Belgian beer. It was described as being reassuringly expensive. Remember those adverts? Because we assume that because it's more expensive, it must be better, right? We value jewellery or beer or cars more when they're more expensive because we assume that they're better than the cheaper alternatives. My daughter Bethany has just gotten engaged and she sent us a photograph of her engagement ring. Now, if her fiancé had revealed that he found this ring in the bottom of a packet of Rice Krispies and it cost him £1.99 she wouldn't be terribly impressed, would she? You can tell how much you value something by the price you're willing to pay for it. 
Robert Caldini, in his book, Influence, records an example of a shop that was selling jade necklaces, or trying to sell jade necklaces. And these jade necklaces were not selling at all. They positioned them in different parts of the shop, they didn't sell. They got the sales staff to try and encourage customers to look at them and pick them up and try them on, they didn't sell. And so, in exasperation, the owner of the shop said, fine, just get rid of them, half the price, put them on sale, get rid of them. Except the handwritten note, when she wrote half the price, the, the shop assistant thought she said two times the price. So she doubled the price of the necklaces, and guess what happened two weeks later? They had all been sold, because suddenly these jade necklaces were now fancy jade necklaces. Just look at the price. People wanted them because they cost more. Now, I know nothing about wine. I am not a wine drinker. If Lydia asked me to buy some wine for the kitchen, I pick one from the bottom shelf in LD, you know, where the cheap ones are. But if we're going around someone's house for dinner, and I apologise if you recognise yourself in this story, but if we're going around someone's house for dinner, we're asked to take a bottle, or maybe buy a gift to someone, because I know nothing about wine, I have to use other clues to work out what is the one I should buy. So I ask myself, which one has a pretty label? <laughs> and which one does the price feel reassuringly expensive relative to the bottom shelf in LD? So I pick one from the middle shelf in Aldi, where the slightly more expensive wine is. I don't know anything else, and so I use the price, I use the cost, to let me know which one is better than something else. We value things more because of the price that we pay for them. And the converse is true as well. You can tell the things that we don't really value because of the price that we're not willing to pay for them. And sometimes you don't realise the cost you're going to be asked to pay until you're some way into getting involved with something. Now, I grew up a huge fan of the TV series Yes, Minister, and Yes, Prime Minister. The antics of Jim Hacker, the bumbling British Prime Minister, still seem to ring true today, just like they did in the 1980s and 1990s, when it first aired on TV, and was actually apparently one of Margaret Thatcher's our then Prime Minister, one of her favourite TV shows. In fact, yes, Prime Minister has been remade or inspired TV shows all around the world. It's been remade in Canada, in India, in Turkey even, and even in the Ukraine, where it inspired a TV show called Servant of the People. Now, Servant of the People tells the story of a high school history teacher called Vasily, who is videoed by his students having a rant against corrupt politicians. This video goes viral. Vasily is persuaded to enter politics, and he ends up becoming elected president. And that's the kind of the setup for this sitcom. Now, in stunning proof that fact is always stranger than fiction, Vasily was played by a comedic actor called Vladimir Zelensky, who in April 2019 was actually elected president of Ukraine, with 70% of the popular vote. You will recognize the name and the face of Vladimir Zelensky because he is still today the president of Ukraine, as he tries to lead his country 
through this Russian invasion. We're going to pause and pray for Volensky in Ukraine in a moment. But I just wanted to share a little bit of his backstory because it perfectly illustrates the point that when you embark on something, you can actually have no idea of the price you might get asked to pay. When he got into politics, perhaps it was a little bit funny at the beginning. Perhaps, you know, he really did care passionately about it. But I'm sure he had no idea when he started, not only that one day he would be president, but one day he would be at the centre of the most dramatic story unfolding on the face of the earth and facing down Russian tanks driving through the streets of Ukraine. So let's just take a moment right now to, to pause. We're going to pray for Ukraine and those other places around the world where violence and war are being used by the strong to steal the things that they value. Lord Jesus, you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Prince of Peace. Lord God, you are our refuge and strength. You are a very present help in times of trouble. The nations rage and kingdoms totter, but Lord of hosts, we thank you that you are with us and you are with the people of the Ukraine. We pray, Lord God, that you would make wars to cease to the ends of the earth, that you would break the bow and shatter the spear and burn the very chariots of war. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus that the powers and the principalities of war and hate and greed must be still and know that you are God. That Jesus is the one who will be exalted among the nations. That Jesus will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us and he is with the people of the Ukraine. Lord God, we pray for peace. We pray that your kingdom come, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 So turning to today's scripture, we're in Luke chapter 9. And Jesus has just spent several weeks demonstrating to all of his disciples, teaching them how to do the job of being his follower, how to do the job of being a disciple. They have witnessed miracles, the calming of storms, the feeding of thousands. They themselves have performed miracles. They have healed the sick. They have cast out unclean spirits of the oppressed. They have tasted the power. They have tasted the power. And now Jesus warns his disciples of the price that comes with discipleship. Last week, Dave so eloquently shared with us the price that Jesus himself said he would personally pay. Luke 9, verse 22, Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And then Jesus immediately continues and he warns the disciples of the cost of their discipleship, the effort that they would be asked to put in. Reading on from verse 23, he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever would lose his life for my sake will in fact save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father 
and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some here standing today who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, this is the first time that Jesus actually speaks to his disciples about the cost and the effort needed to be one of his disciples. Now, at one level, he's simply expressing a truth that us humans are so reluctant to learn. We resist learning our whole lives. The lesson that everything worthwhile has a cost. If you want to get fit and healthy, you have to exercise. If you want to get clever, you have to study. If you want to build a business, you need to do some work. If you've got a well-behaved dog, you have to train it. If you want a well-behaved husband, you have to train him. And as the saying goes, everything worthwhile is uphill. And if you want to follow Jesus, he says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. These are words we've probably heard many times before, but what, what do they actually mean? What does it mean to take up your cross in 21st century Wiltshire? Now Spurgeon said, you will never glory in God till first of all God has killed your glorying in yourself. Now ego and pride always get in the way of our relationship with God. That from the very first, Satan was cast down from heaven because he desired to become like God. He wanted to be worshipped rather than be the worshipper. Adam and Eve were tempted to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge because they wanted to become like God. But to be my disciple, Jesus says, you must put what I want before what you want. Deny yourself and instead follow me. Don't follow your own plans and desires. Follow me instead. So this phrase, take up your cross daily. When we think of the cross, the symbol of death by crucifixion that is so linked to Jesus in our knowledge and understanding. But of course, when Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, they had no idea what the future held for Jesus. To Peter and John and the others, taking up your cross well, I mean, that was what happened to convicted criminals. Yeah, they were forced into doing this by the occupying Roman army to carry the means of your own death to a place where you would become executed. It's what happened to bad people, criminals, maybe to freedom fighters who resisted the Romans. From our vantage point in history, we look back and we see Jesus' obedience even to death On the cross. And so to us today, to take up your cross daily means to obey God regardless of the personal consequences or the effort that's involved. We are fortunate indeed to live in a country that is not being invaded or occupied. And God willing, we will never be faced with the prospect of physical harm or death because we are followers of Jesus. But Jesus goes on in the very next verse to say, but there is another kind of death. The death of selfish ambition, the death of pride, all of these things are required of you as well. Verse 24, Jesus said, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever would lose his life for my sake will save it. We're taking a a quick peek at the Greek. The word that's translated in English as life is psyche. From it, we get the word psychology. And psyche in Greek means more than just the breath of life. It encompasses all that it is that makes you, you. It's your whole self. It's your physical body, 
but it's your mind as well, and your will, and your emotions, your inner thought life. It is all the things that drive you, the things that make you happy, whether it's fancy jade necklaces or wine from the middle shelf. It's uh, the ambition that you have, the recognition that you're searching for, the fame, the glory, the relationships. Whatever it is that rocks your boat, Jesus says, if you put those things to one side and follow me, you'll find you'll end up with stuff that is worth so much more than you imagined, worth so much more than those things that you thought you valued and that you gave up to follow me. And more than that, realize that the things that we think we want, the things that we think we want, they will never end up satisfying us at a deep level. They will never really satisfy us in the way that we hope they would because they just don't last. I mean, we, I mean, you and me and everyone in the room and the people watching online, we last forever. Yet we go on forever. In this world and the next, we go on forever. So don't make the mistake of ruining your forever for the sake of things that only last for a moment here upon the earth. Jesus said in verse 25, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'm going to be ashamed of you on the day of judgment. Now, all the money, all the Jake necklaces, all the wine, all the girlfriends, all the boyfriends in the whole world are worth nothing if you're forever is going to be without Jesus if you're not going to be in heaven. You know, fulfillment and and success in the truest sense is not getting what you want. Success and fulfillment is when you get what God wants for you. Because he designed you, he made you, he knows what really is going to make you perfect. And you get what God wants for you when you do what God wants you to do cause and effect. Now, one of the greatest frustrations and sadnesses that I have as a, as a pastor is seeing Christians walking away, just walking away from the great thing that God has for them because they are afraid of putting in the effort. They look at that cross, they would be asked to carry whatever that metaphor represents for them, and they just go, yeah, that looks kind of heavy. Do something else instead. You know, Lydia and I were talking about this just the other day. The number of times that we've seen people that we classed as friends, people who we thought were mature in the faith, and they get given this opportunity to do something for God. This opportunity for God to work through them and do something amazing, and they just walk away. It looks like too much effort. Whenever God calls us, whenever God calls us, he always calls us out of our comfort zone. He always calls us out of our comfort zone. Because remember, what did he say in the Bible? His mercy is made perfect in our weakness. He wants us to recognize and see his fingerprints on our lives. He wants us to know that he has been there helping us. He wants us to realize that he was holding us up and sustaining us and carrying us through. And that can only happen when we've stepped into a place where we know that we couldn't have possibly done it in our own strength. Yeah. 
which means by definition it must have been a bit of a difficult place to know that it was more than we could possibly cope with. But then we can be sure, we can be sure it was God that did it. And that's the point, getting that knowledge that God got involved in my life and your life. Sometimes we respond to God's calling by saying, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll have a try. I'll try it. What does Yoda would say, mm, do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> and did you know that is biblical? Yeah. That is biblical, my friend. I finally found proof that Star Wars is biblical. <laughs> well, at least this one thing that Yoda said, but that's a good enough starting point. Let me explain. In the English language, if you can cast your mind back to when you were at school, there are tenses in grammar in the English language. You know, past, present, past. Do you know how many tenses there are in the English language? Well, apparently the internet doesn't agree, would you believe? But there's about 12. There's about 12 tenses in the English language. You've got past, present, and future, simple, continuous, perfect, perfect, continuous, and all of those. So you multiply that, you get 12. Okay. In biblical Hebrew, okay, the ancient Hebrew that the Old Testament is written in, there are only two tenses. There's past... And there's future. There's no present tense. And you've got past tense, got future tense, no variations, no qualifications on them. In other words, something is either done, past, not done, because it's in the future. Done or not done, then there is no trying. Thank you, Master Yoda. Which is interesting when you think about it, because that means when Abraham and jo- Jacob and Joseph and all the Old Testament characters, when Moses was teaching them about the law, when they were reading and speaking about God, when it comes to talking about God, when it comes to talking about obedience, when it comes to talking about following the law and God's principles, there are only two ways to talk about it in the Hebrew language. Past or future. Done or not done. There is no middle ground. There is no setting on the fence. There is no way to even say in Hebrew, the half-hearted, I'm going to give it a go. The language just doesn't allow you to do it. It forces you to say either I have done it or I haven't. That's it. There is no wiggle room. So when Jesus says to us today, follow me, let's try and answer him a bit more like a Hebrew and less like an English person. When Jesus says, follow me every day, we realize that there's only two responses. I've followed you, past tense. Or, no, I've not followed you. I haven't done it. You know, you can't prevaricate. If you say, I haven't followed you, the only other option is to say, but I will follow you from now on. Future tense. Not like an English person who says, Well, I have decided that I will have started to follow you by the time in the future that I will have needed it to have mattered. (laughs) Yes or no. Jesus is honest with us. He says that if you want to be my disciple, it will require you to put in some effort. But what you will receive in return is more valuable, worth so much more than the effort. Because God's kingdom principle is always one of multiplication, isn't it? You sow one seed and you get back a harvest field. Jesus says in verse 25, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Now, we protect what we value. 
We put effort into the things that are truly important to us. And you can tell how much something is worth by the price you're willing to pay to get it and protect it and keep it. So how much do we value our discipleship as followers of Jesus? How much effort are we willing to put in? What price are we willing to pay to protect it and keep it? Now, being a Christian, the gift of salvation is exactly that. It is a free gift from God to everyone who believes in Jesus. But I think we often make the mistake of thinking that when we receive this gift of salvation, when we become a Christian, that we've somehow reached the finishing line. Hey, we're through. But it's not. When you become a Christian, you're crossing the starting line. You're crossing the starting line. And then just as you cross the starting line, there's this huge pile of spiritual gifts that God gives you and opportunities and talents. And then God says, what are you going to do with this stuff? You cross the starting line into God's kingdom, which is a free gift. But it takes effort and perseverance to run the race to the finish line, which is getting in to heaven on the final day of judgment. The free gifts of grace provided by God to us are all the tools that we need to run the race of life. But we do need to choose to pick them up and use them. You've got to put them to good use. I could have all the best fancy tools in my toolbox at home. I could go into ENS stores on the high street, and I, I, like, I always like an excuse to buy a tool because I like to buy one from the, the big stand that says Faithful Tools. Right? <laughs> they're, they're, no, they're no relative, but I always like buy it, and I kind of put my, my debit card on the counter, which has got my name on it, and wait for the guy to say something. He never does, but one day, hopefully, he'll go, oh. But if I leave them in the toolbox, they will never build a beautiful table. They will never make unnecessary holes in the wall that I have to cover up with more pictures. You know, we are unlikely to ever have to pay with our lives or our physical safety for following Jesus because God has blessed us by living in this country. So we thank God for that. And we need to pray for those people who find themselves not in that situation where their lives are in danger. But when we're asked to pay smaller prices, how do we respond? When we're asked to pay the price of losing popularity because we speak up for God's truth. When we pay the financial price because we can be obedient and pay our time. When we pay the time price to study the Bible, and share with people what we've learned. When we pay the emotional price of, of ending a relationship that we know is contrary to God's expectation and standards for his children. When we pay the effort price of helping make church happen by serving in a home group or being a member of the band and all the, kind of the practice that has to go into being ready on a Sunday or turning up early to put out the chairs or plug in the wires or make coffee or any of the other many things that it takes to make church happen. We put in the effort to get out of the house. We put in the effort to develop our skills so that we can be effective in the things that God calls us to do. You know, sometimes we live in a fairy tale world. We think that just because God has called us to do something, we'll miraculously have all the skills that we need to be good at it. Well, it doesn't work like that. I assure you that 
You know, when Frank picks up his guitar, when Michelle stands at the piano, there is not a divine impartation of talent at that moment. What you're seeing is the result of 20 years of practice. If that's true for musicians, it's true for every walk of life. Are we willing to pay the price, to put the effort in, to put Jesus first in our lives, to deny ourselves and take up that cross daily and follow him? Are we prepared to lose our life in him, to give up our own dreams and wishes and pursue instead the plans that he has for us because we know that our good, good father has better things planned for us than we could possibly dream up for ourselves anyway? The question of do or do not, there is no try. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning you have challenged us, reminded us of the price that you paid, the effort you put in to be obedient to your Father, obedient even to death upon a cross. Help us, Lord, this morning and this week to have the strength to follow you every day, to deny ourselves, to pursue you, to, to not be ashamed of you, but rather to boast of all that you have done for us. Lord God, we know that we're not saved because of the effort that we put in. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of salvation that is freely given. But now that we have received it, Lord God, we don't want to waste a moment. Lord God, we want to live lives worthy of the calling that you have placed upon our lives. Lord God, may we stir one another up urge one another on and bear each other's burdens as we eagerly await the day of your return. This we pray in your holy, powerful name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Bless you, Hope Church family. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget we have a prayer meeting before the service at uh, 10 to 10, which meets in the kitchen. So all the best parties start in the kitchen. Don't forget, we've got centre groups during the week on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays in various locations. If you're not part of a home group and you'd like to be, please speak to me or Lydia and we'll hook you up and explain how it all works. Oh, and Ladies Who Lead, our online Bible study is restarting on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. You'll find that on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Hope Chess Marjorie. Be good, be happy, be holy. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.